This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, The Legendary Dog Whistle Branded. I don't know about you all, but I have an affinity for micro businesses. Typically, these are bootstrap businesses earning less than 100K in revenue per year, started from a hobby or passion. You can find them at your local farmer's market, selling homemade honey, soap, and other CPG products. I serve a lot of these entrepreneurs, whether in my local community of Newark, New Jersey, or the broader veteran entrepreneurial ecosystem. Whenever they need a new logo or brand identity, I send them to my man, Nick Edlin, an independent graphic designer and illustrator from Melbourne, Australia. The market is too competitive these days to not show up with a strong brand identity. And although many of these micro business owners have a limited budget, Nick shares an affinity for serving them and goes out of his way to offer world-class design at a reasonable rate. I brought him on the show to introduce himself to you all and share his approach to logo design and brand identity for micro business owners. Let's be honest, we've all thought about starting our own coffee brand or food truck business. At least I know I have. And when I finally decide to pull the trigger, I'm hitting up my man, Nick. All right, enough of me talking. Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Nick, my man, all the way from Australia. Welcome yeah. to Dog Whistle Branding. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So Nick is a we, we're just we're just talking about before we went live retro slash nostalgic designer. He's pretty badass. I actually found out I found Nick through a podcast, and it wasn't even a podcast about you. It was a podcast about a company you built the brand identity for called Jibby Coffee, and it was just a random podcast I was listening to on the internet. And I was like, man, this branding is sick. I need to get connected with this designer, and so. I just started Googling and searching. I actually had to find you. And then I found his uh, dribble page and some his Instagram, reached out to him. And we were able to jump on a call probably like six or seven months ago just to kind of do a quick face-to-face yeah. because I was still building out, you know, Ironbound Media and I have these aspirations about being a go-to resource on all things branding for veteran entrepreneurs. And part of that is having good branders in my ecosystem I, from an identity perspective, good designers that I can send vets to. And so I connected with Nick. I already sent him one client, Cure Leaves Tea, Paula Shaw, who was on this podcast. He's doing their rebranding for them. And uh, I was like, man, Nick, I got to get you on the podcast to talk to the people. So, man, without further ado, it's an honor to have you here with us on Dog Whistle Branding today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. So, Nick, introduce yourself to everyone. Tell us about uh, how you got into design and uh, just your, how do I say this, your philosophy when it comes to branding, particularly around packaging and logos. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> I've been, I've been, I was sort of one of those funny kids that sort of knew what they wanted to do at school, which was a bit weird. And you know, I always had this thing for for, for graphic design and logos in particular, I, ever since I can remember, really. 
I had my my old man was in advertising, so you know I grew up around around the sort of advertising the eighties, but I knew that I didn't want to do particularly do advertising as such, and I knew I wanted to do sort of design, and so I yeah I went to a design school here in, in Melbourne, and I graduated and I started I've been working full well, like as a designer since two thousand three, working for a, another studio you know which was really great you know, small, small design studios, you get, let you get really hands-on with a lot of different size projects and clients and different aspects of the work. And then, yeah. And then probably about 10 years ago, I decided I'd try and give my own thing a go and, and, you know, try and go solo. And, and it was right as we were just starting a family and stuff. So it was all pretty, uh, pretty nerve wracking. I'm not sure my wife was hundred percent on board initially, but we, you know, we got there and, and that was sort of right as, you know, the internet and, and uh, all those. I mean, that was all, all around, but it was just getting to the point when it made it really e- much easier to work remotely and like work with people that aren't, you know, local and sort of grow your brands like online, which, you know, before, you know, before that it was, you know, mostly design was mostly word of mouth, you know, and there wasn't even any places that you would really advertise design services so yeah so trying to grow that whole thing online using some of those great online portfolio sites and and yeah so and then sort of over the years I've done a lot of different types of design mainly you know branding is a thing that really interests me but you know not just packaging not just sort of retail stuff I've done you know a lot of work for like tech startups and you know finance company all sorts of all sorts of different uh, industries and now I'm sort of that point in my career where I just trying to like hone in on the things that I really enjoy doing and, and to do more of that, which is sort of the packaging and, you know, and, uh, and, you know, lots of fun, new, exciting products are on the market. You know, I love, I love working with, you know, new, new ideas, new concepts, you know, as I said, GB coffee, which was a, you know, a CBD infused coffee, which was a, a new, a new product that I, I hadn't sort of done before. And then, you know, I'm working on a, a, a alcoholic beverage at the moment. This is a combination of yogurt and soju, which is like a Korean spirit. So really interesting, <laughs> and trying to like l- let people know what the flavors are and what the product is. You know, via the packaging, via the branding, it's an interesting challenge, especially when people aren't even familiar with that what that sort of product is. And I did a tea. I've been working on tea the last couple of years, which is a yerba mate tea, which is a type of tea from South America. I hadn't. Um, even heard of before so that you know it's it's, it's great it's, i learn a lot of stuff and and hopefully that you know my clients get something out of it too now you haven't scaled up yet you're still a one-man operation right <laughs> i have this conversation all the time with my wife yeah let's get into it yeah why yeah. are you staying solo because i don't because i like doing the work and not so much managing people but i'm sort of getting to that point in my career now where i really need help i really need a junior and i would like to like mentor someone a bit as well you know i'd like to give back to young designers like what was done for me when i was younger so but at the moment i work from a studio set up in my house which is very nice but it's probably not big enough to get my my wife also works here for herself so we're actually currently looking at spaces to sort of grow the business she is a photography style and producer so she, we're thinking about setting up a space where we can have a, a photographic studio to rent out to, to, to photographers and have somewhere where I can bring in juniors and stuff and, you know, grow the business that way. But it's all just sort of plans at the moment. 
So, yeah, I have two young kids, so it's hard to, you know, it's hard to take on, you know, extra risk and extra debt at the moment. So, um, yeah, but I just like doing the work. I like designing and I know that the more, the bigger I grow, the less I'll do of that and the more I'll do, of, you know, meetings and, you know, and uh, dealing with, you know, staff when they're unhappy or they're not, you know, sick or they you know, all that sort of stuff. Why'd you say, man, I get this question all the time? Because here in America, we're all about growth, 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 scale, scale, scale. I ask myself this question all the time when I'm sitting there doing something I don't want to do that, you know, I, I should have someone, a junior doing for me. And I sit there thinking, well, what am I doing this for? I should, you know, I should hire people to do it. And then, but I don't know if it's laziness or fear or, or uh, you know, I don't know. Not sure, mate. You know what I was thinking about today, man? Having an agency is fun too. Don't get me wrong. There are times where it's like super challenging. We get overwhelmed and everything, but it it really is like choose your own adventure. And for us, right, we fund our businesses with clients, right? Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you might have a cash flow issue every now and then, but for the most part, right, like we can always just, you know, it's just, we just get new clients, you know, we have fun. We get to work on cool projects. And I, I just, I think it's great. And for me, the reason I asked that question is, I'm a small giant myself. I have no aspirations to build some high growth, crazy machine where I manage a bunch of people. You know, that's yeah. just not my personality. I really enjoy building brands, you know, yeah. taking stuff that's just an idea in a Google Doc and literally bringing it to life with like a logo and a story. I think it's fucking badass, right? And one of the things that you've developed so strong that got my attention is this retro design look. Like to the point that I like literally search for you, right? I'm like, who is this designer? You know, I need to learn more about him. And so, man, talk to us about how you came up with this retro feel and why do you feel like it's getting a lot of pull from the US? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, I think everyone's a little bit nostalgic, you know, we're a little bit nostalgic for, you know, younger years, times when things seemed a little bit simpler or a little bit, you know, or they imprinted on us when we're kids, you know, and I had all these fond memories. My, my dad was in advertising. I'm not sure if I mentioned it, you know, in the eighties, there's these really fun campaigns and, and especially in my part of the world, everything got very sophisticated and, and branding got very minimal and very clean and, and all of that. And, uh, and when I, I first started out in the, in the industry and I worked for, for a small boutique studio and that was very much the look they did. It was all very clean, very minimal, very well done. And, very elegant and stylish and I had a my, my boss was female she's a very very stylish woman very had a real eye for fashion and design and, and it was great and and I did all that and I, and I enjoyed it but then when I sort of went out on my own I wanted to sort of experiment a bit more and and sort of have a bit more fun with it and like I just discovered that I really enjoyed yeah I really enjoyed having fun with the design and 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 you know some of that nostalgia back to when I was a kid and, you know, cartoons growing up and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I have found that it's resonated with the US market, you know, a bit more than here. But it's great because of the internet and, and everything these days and, and, and you know, Zoom calls and everything that I'm able to, to, to work with people, you know, around the other side of the world. You know, so that has sort of supported that sort of look and sort of encouraged me to like keep going with that kind of with that kind of design style and sort of make it, you know, make it my own a bit. 
it's not for everyone and it's and it doesn't apply for every client and and if i do get clients in that that they want to go a different direction you know i can also service them in that in that way as well you know i've i've been doing it long enough that i I have i can do a lot of different styles and different looks and, and feels and stuff so you know, I can do feminine stuff and masculine stuff. You know, I can do, do uh, you know, stuff for kids, young people and, and older people. And But that sort of look that we're talking about, that's sort of where I like to be, like what, what I enjoy doing the most. And that's really the stuff that you end up promoting with as well. It ends up stuff you put out there to the world because that's the, the sort of jobs you want to get back. So, yeah, that's why you see a lot of that in my portfolio. This is an audio podcast, so y'all can't see the visual identity yet. But think about Schoolhouse Rocks. Remember that 80s TV show? You know, it was like Schoolhouse Rocks where they would have the little cartoon characters. Or you think about like Fat Albert, the cartoon, right? That's what I think of when I think of Nick. And I feel like, man, your brand just has soul to it. You know, it makes it fun, right? Like, you know, business is so tacky at times, right? It's like so corporate and soul crushing. And when we build brands, man, it's supposed to light people up, right? Like, we got to be excited to work work on them. And one of the things I think about, when I think about, like, the brands of today that are bootstrapped, right, didn't raise venture capital, so they're already coming off with a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of an underdog. And then when you really start to think about, like, CPG, right, those businesses that are notoriously hard, right, really low margin, you got to have an extra oomph. You know what yeah. I'm saying? To mobilize a tribe. And I feel like with what you do and your approach to design, like I feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like I bought Jibby coffee just because of how it looked. And then, yeah. you know, that's why I was like, man, I got to talk to this designer. And so I'm excited to, you know, even think about your process. Right. So let's use a case study. Right. Yeah. Paula Shaw. I was looking at her yeah. stuff. Now, she this isn't a retro look, but even still. Right. I think it's important for our listeners to understand how to get the most out of a designer. Right. So I hand them to you. I'm like, all right, we need to rebrand Cure Leaves Tea, right? Yeah. Talk us through what your process looks like for taking an idea out of someone's head and actually converting it into a strong visual brand identity. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different for everyone and every and every project. That one obviously is a rebrand as opposed to like a, a totally fresh, um, fresh brand. So they can be a little bit tricky sometimes, the rebrand, because... Sometimes a client has been told that they need to rebrand, but they actually still really like their existing stuff. So they want to do it, but they're a little bit reluctant and there's certain aspects of it that they're just not willing to give up. So you have to make the rebrand work with the elements that they want to keep. Paula was pretty, pretty relaxed about that. She was just like, you know, blank slate, start from, start from scratch. And so we, we sort of first identified what the problems with their existing branding were or existing packaging, which were off the top of my head. The actual brand itself, Cured Leaves Tea, wasn't very prominent. So there, the, it just looked like a like Cured Leaves Tea was this product description rather than the brand itself. So I made sure that the, that that was the first thing you saw when you when you looked at the packaging, and this just comes back to this like that's real technical design stuff, which is just hierarchy of, of information and, and boring stuff like that. But yeah. And then, and then we gave, and then we, we, for her, we gave her two pretty distinct looks. One was sort of, I always sort of push one a little bit. So if we do multiple concepts, I might have one that's pretty out there, maybe push past where you sort of feel safe and, you know, and then one that's sort of back, back on this side of the line a little bit. And so she wanted to push the aspect of 
the African heritage with with her teas. So just how far we dialed that up, you know. So we had two two options: one that was sort of, I guess, more modern and colorful and African looking, and then the, another one which was a little more restrained, a little more traditional tea. You had a little more of a traditional tea feel to it, you know. And so, so it ended up being somewhere in the middle of those two which was the sort of more traditional tea look, but with quite a distinct, vibrant sort of African pattern and colouring and stuff through it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it looks wonderful. And then also she had a lot of products. So it's really important to kind of get a system in place that's going to make adding products easy and that they'll all be easily identifiable and distinct, but then also as a range sit together really nicely. And that's where colour color was a big important factor and it's also probably one of the main features I guess of my work is a is a use of a lot of color I really enjoy color it's something that like I've embraced more as I got older being a young man you know we get, we're a bit afraid of color when we're growing up because it's not considered masculine and 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 or at least not culturally here and Australians tend to be quite reserved masculine is quite reserved and we don't wear a lot of bright colors and we don't sort of do all that so so something as I got older I really I just really realized that I loved color and I loved combining unusual colors and things that are a bit surprising so yeah that was quite enjoyable working on that tea brand to really yeah show all the different products and and just how that's all going to work which is 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 hard yeah when I'm working with a designer, right? Like I, I let people know, like I am not a designer. I'm a strategist, right? I find good people to do their visual design, but like I have a strong trust factor. So, you know what I'm saying? Like I already know your eye for things. So yeah. I'm not one to like pick stuff apart when I take it to a particular designer, right? It's like, and I try to encourage people I work with, like, you're not the expert. You get what I'm saying? Like you do this all day. You know what products is going to look like on shelves. Like you have, you know, the art and science of it. And so I'm comfortable pulling my ego out of it and saying, like, Nick, what do you think? Like, and I'm bringing it to you. And like, yeah. I know whatever you're going to submit to me, I'm going to like it. Right. Because I've already mentally made that decision in my head. I'm not going to you because of what I specifically want. I'm going to you because of your expertise, your style, your look and feel. And I trust you to build that out. Right. So, like, I have another designer, Drew O'Brien. Shout out to Drew from We Are Design Co. Right? I send my stuff to him. I can pick one of three, either or. It doesn't matter, right? Because that's just the trust factor I have. I've noticed that it's hard to get people that don't understand branding to really embrace that. Like, we still try to come at it like we know the answer. But yet we're going to an expert trying to tell them what to do. I think that's because everybody knows what they like visually, you know. You know, if I go to a plumber... I'm not going to pick how he fixes my toilet because I don't know anything about it. I've never fixed a toilet. Whereas people pick things aesthetically that they like all the time. You know, they pick products from the supermarket. They pick their own clothes. They dress their house. They put artwork on the walls. So I guess people do have sort of their own personal style, their own personal preferences aesthetically. And sometimes getting them to acknowledge that that doesn't line up with what their target market, you know, or the, you know, the market says. But at the same time, I think it's important as a designer to consider what those sort of, what your client's personal tastes are and work within those as well. 
because it is their brand. And often with small businesses, it's it's a representation of their personality and it's something that they're like really, it's their baby in a lot of senses. So you have to trade carefully. Um, and that trust that you give is great, but not everyone has that. And it's also a big ask to have someone to have that like initially when they haven't, you haven't worked together before. It does help that design is a visual medium. So people that come to me have seen what I do and hopefully want like that style and want to continue within within that style which doesn't always happen <laughs> sometimes people come to you and you deliver something that is really in line with what you would normally do and they're like oh i don't like this and you're like well did you look at what else i've designed because this is sort of right in the same but then usually that's a mistake for me in the in the terms that i didn't take the brief correctly you know i've you very rarely blame a client for something like that i'm the you know i'm the professional so i should know through my experience what's going to get across the line and what's not. Obviously, it doesn't always happen. You make mistakes. But, you know, that's why I like working with small businesses. You know, large businesses, that there's a lot of politics, right? So you go in, you deliver, but this person, you weren't the designer that they wanted in. They wanted this other person. So they're already sort of foul. You know, they're already sort of negative on the process or, or, you know, they've got an opinion about what and the other person's got an opinion. And what tends to happen is it it tends to just become generic because anything that's kind of interesting or different about that gets pulled out and so you're just left with you know something that's pretty pretty boring that's why most corporate you know big companies they don't really do anything super adventurous you know sometimes they do and it's changing a little bit nowadays their companies i guess a little bit more adventurous but yeah yeah i got a someone coming on the podcast named steve pratt and he calls it creative bravery like, what's your tolerance? Like, how brave yeah. are you willing to be? Like, you yeah. look at my book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. My co-author, Alana, pushed back initially. I was like, yeah. listen, we're writing a book. We can't make it vanilla. Like, I want yeah. Black Panther theme, yeah. comic book theme. I want it to stand out on a shelf. Yeah. And when, when I was describing this to her, she was like, there was like this tension, right? But the minute she saw it, it clicked. Yeah. You know? Because it made sense to her. Like, oh, now this really stands out. And that's just my personality. But going back to what you said is like, it's both ways, right? Like me as a designer or you as a business owner, like, again, what did I say? I looked at your portfolio. I looked at some of the other stuff. So I was already educated coming into our first call. And then same for you of like, hey, let me check out this client, see what their stuff is. You maybe have a few questions for them, you know, about creative bravery and stuff. And then you try to find that in between. I'm just trying to encourage my listeners, which are a bunch of veteran led brands, they got to focus on growing their business. They're focused on driving revenue. Branding is a big component of it. I'm just saying that when you bring in these experts or when you come to me and I say, hey, we're going to go with this designer over here, right? You need to trust this process because like this is what we do. You know what I mean? Like we're in the gym shooting the jump shots day in and day out. So we have a lot of pattern recognition that, you know, quite frankly, a lot of vets aren't used to building brands. Um, they don't have it like we do. So that's why it's important to get you on the podcast. Just kind of introduce you to people. Now, there's something you hit on that I haven't actually talked about yet, but I, I really want to go down this path of, you know, right now there's a lot of hacks going on with branding, right? Everyone's just doing the same stuff, but there's stuff that's been in the past that I think you're bringing back, like having a mascot, right? Like cartoon, a mascot is a brand strategy, mm. color palette, right? Like a color that's synonymous with your brand. That can be a brand strategy, right? How can brands think about those two things? Like you say, the mascots and the color. Yeah, I mean, and that and they're and they're just two of the the things in that sort of toolbox. 
the, the, all of the visual, you know, tools go together to sort of create that. But yeah, like I, I like brands that have a story, you know, I like how brands have a, a strong story that flows through, you know, it, it's sometimes it's hard when I, I get a client and they come to me and their, and their, their business name is, you know, some acronym that doesn't mean anything. And, and there's no, there's nothing to like grab onto. There's nothing that sort of lodges in your, in your head, you know, that can be carried through the branding, like visually. And that's why I like mascots and things like that, because, you know, that it's so easy to create this, create a story behind that. So, yeah, I think people just resonate with, with story, you know, I think that's probably the key to it. How do, how does the visual tools like color and, and, you know, characters and typography and stuff, how does that all help tell this cohesive story? So that even if I look at something that's part of your brand that doesn't have your logo on it, I still know it's part of your brand, you know, because that that story is is so consistent. And as you said, that story might just be might just be some colors or something that maybe a unique combination of colors or a certain way you do something. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Did I answer that? Sure. Yeah, a little bit. How do you help? So, like, let's say for me, right? I got dog, Ironbound Media, right? Yep. I'm thinking about like, man, do I need a mascot, right? And what we're talking about is like everyone's talking about you need content marketing. That's one strategy. Another strategy is like freaking mascot, right? Dialing yep. in that color, right? So like an agency, like if I come to you and I'm like, all right, Nick, I'm really thinking about like I need a color palette. You know, how do you help think about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, color is like there's some people that have a science approach to color and they'll tell you that certain colors elicit certain emotional responses and stuff, whereas I, I don't agree with that necessarily. But yeah, I mean, it's the same way I would ask you any other questions around, you know, I need to know where, where your business is, where your business wants to go, who, who you're trying to talk to, you know, and, and what, what's your point of difference, all of those sort of basic brand strategy questions would go into that. And, you know, I might say to you, you know, for your business, I might say, no, don't do a mascot, you know, you don't need one or, 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 you know, this or you want to be look a little bit more mature or something and this will sort of cheapen it or maybe it's a premium product that 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 I feel like the mascot will cheapen a little bit or or something like that so yeah sorry for the vague vague answer on that but there's so many moving parts and really every client and every business is different so you have to have a conversation like this you know yeah. and sometimes even that's not not enough you know, some people are very good verbally and, they'll, and they can really help you understand from conversation what they want. But sometimes I need a lot of visual references and I get them to put together mood boards and things like that because um, some people aren't very good at verbalizing design, you know, because it's a visual medium. So sometimes the visual references become really important, you know, to... to so, you know, if you, if you're asking me to update your color palette, I have a conversation like this, I'd say, I say to you, well, 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 what are the, uh, what is some of the design, you know, what's some design you like? And it might not even be, you know, it might just be me trying to wrap my head around your personal style. So it might not even be things that are in the same industry or the same product. They might just, I might be really general about it. I'm like, what do you like? You know, what, what do you pick when you go, go shopping and stuff like that? And then also try to create that profile for their, their customer so that I understand what their personal style is, but then I also understand what their their customers are like. You know, and then you can start to put together a profile of like a typical customer and 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 you know go go from there. 
Yeah, I think I'm also answering my own question because one thing that I love about podcasts, you start talking and you start thinking out loud. What I do at Ironbound Media is a brand probe. So it's an hour and a half deep dive with a prospect. Whether yep. they want to launch a podcast or they're thinking about elevating their brand, it all yep. starts with the brand probe. Yep. And so I have that list of curated questions. It takes about an hour and a half. And then I take that to write out that strategy. And it yep. really nails like the why, like where are we at now currently? Where are we trying to go? How do I think we need to connect the dots to get us there? Right. Yep. And I write all this out. And then I give that to a designer to say, okay, now take us there, right? This is what I'm thinking. And I would probably do the same thing with myself of like, okay, why is color important to me? And I say, oh, I want to be memorable. And I think about, okay, what brands stand out to me from a branding and agency perspective that have a color synonymous with them that are memorable and, you know, the why behind it. And then you say, okay, well, now I really have an understanding. Here are some options, yada, yada, yada. But what I'm trying to get people to understand too is like, you know, a designer like Nick, he's not like reading our minds, right? So whatever we can push information to him, like is only going to empower him. And so like one of my jobs is to get that information as much as possible to make it easier for him, whether you're a client of mine or not, or I'm just tossing a referral, right? Like I just toss referrals to Nick. I'm like, yo, man, you need to talk to Nick, right? Like he can, he can set you up. But just learning that process with your creatives is, is super impactful because I think a lot of times, Nick, people just say, we need this, we need that, we need this. But there's like no context given. Yeah. It's kind of lazy when you think about it. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that is, yeah, that is frustrating. You know, I, I, I can't tell you the amount of inquiries I get that where people give me zero context, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, hi, I'm, I have this product how much is it going to cost for a, you know a branding and and that's to be fair i mean I, I suppose people think that you have standardized pricing and things like that and it does do to a certain extent but there's so much we need to discuss before we sort of get into the specifics of that and and, and people aren't always forthcoming with that information the earlier and the the better written that initial contact is the probably more serious i'll take it and the quicker i'll get back to you if that makes sense um you know, but on saying that as well, you know, I was just reiterating that the, some of the best compliments you get when you present something, a client will say, oh, wow, that's exactly what I had in my head, but I couldn't, I was having trouble explaining it to you. So sometimes it is about like sort of reading their mind. You sort of have to go in their head from all the information you've been given and kind of put the pieces together because sometimes the information is a little bit disjointed and then use your experience to sort of guess or read between the lines sometimes, you know. You know sometimes you'll say to people, oh, you know, you know or, they'll, or they'll fill out a questionnaire and, and you know, they want their, their brand to be fun but also very mature and trustworthy and they'll, they'll give you things that are at the other, either end of like a visual scale. So you're like, well, we can't really do, we can't do both those things. People want to be everything to everybody. And I think that's when you, you run into problems because then you end up being nothing to nobody. So if you, it's like with your book, you know, you took, you went on a limb that, okay, I might, I might brand it this way, but this might alienate. So, some people might not like that. That's okay. It's okay. If people don't like, it's about who does like it. You're not going to make, you're not going to get to sort of ma mainstream 
popularity and have everybody who sees it like it. It's just not practical, you know. And sometimes you have to piss off certain groups or have certain groups not like it so that you can really be cool, you know. That's with the, you know, branding to kids, you know, branding young people is they don't want to be lectured to. They don't want to have a brand that looks like it would be something their parents like, you know. You have to you have to piss off the older people, excuse my language, to really to really make it attractive for the market that you're going after. Yeah. This is Dog Whistle Branding. We can swear on here, Nick. This is a big oh, boys podcast. Cool. Big girls and boys podcast, just so you oh, know. Sorry, we no, I appreciate that. And I'll tell y'all, man, one of the things that connected me to you, really, Nick, was your passion for small business. I think about myself when I was first starting out, right? Like I didn't have the biggest budget. A designer took a chance on me, Drew O'Brien, who that's my guy, right? We've been in the hustle like six years at this point. And he did the notorious and infamous Ironbound Boxing logo, right? Which is epic, okay? But you're passionate about supporting small businesses. Why is that? Probably for my own own happiness, really. I just like working with fresh slates, you know, I like that people come to me and with just, and just an idea, you know, they don't have any real like leftover baggage. They're not dragging, you know, a, a bunch of other people along and, and there's politics and then there's, you know, all of those sort of things. I like that I get to work directly with a person who makes all the decisions. I like that I get to work with normally someone's who's pretty overworked and pretty stressed by it. So they're really relieved that you're going to take on a portion of their problem, you know, and, and also get to develop kind of like personal relationships with people that you don't really get when you work for the the bigger companies. You know, when I first started, I worked for all, you know, big did design work for big banks and big institute, you know, insurance companies and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's really monotonous and it's not very creative. And small businesses are the opposite. There's not as much money <laughs> and, you know, probably not going to get rich doing it. But, you know, I have other work that also helps me supplement that by being more like turnover based work that, you know, for bigger companies that I sort of can use to help sort of with cash flow and stuff while I also work on these smaller business sort of, I won't call them love projects because they are, they still pay the bill, but they're closer to being what I really am passionate about. And I get the opportunities, as I said before, to like work on new products, products that I haven't heard of before, you know, and sort of help the client work out how the hell we're going to explain this product to people and get them to try it when they, when they haven't even heard of anything like it before. You know, that's fun to me. I feel like it's pure, you know, like don't get me wrong. I love the startup scene and reading about it and stuff, but let's be honest, man, going to that local brewery, you know what I'm saying? That local coffee shop, Right there in there hooking and jabbing, running the brick and mortar, you know, fucking fighting it every day to keep margin in. But when you think about that entrepreneur when they're first starting out, it is literally an idea on the back of a napkin or a Google Doc. And one of the first things that we do to help bring it to life is that brand identity. And that has to make you proud, you know, because people are stepping out on faith. They're sacrificing. They don't know if this thing is going to work. But when they see the logo, now it like makes it real. Yeah. And they're, and they're, you know, and you can tell when, when, when someone's really happy with the job, you, you can tell because they tell you, you know, and sometimes, it, you know, big work, you know, when you work for clients, bigger clients, like, oh, you do a lot of work that everyone says, yeah, yeah, great, fantastic, pay you. And then it never sees a light of day or it gets, 
you know, and you, and you, and it's, whereas this stuff, you know, I get to see it out in the real world and, um, yeah. And, and you get to see how, how much impact you had on that client. And that's nice. You know? Yeah. Isn't it crazy how the world is kind of changing? Like Nick all the way in Australia, me in Newark, New Jersey, two yeah. entrepreneurs that met online through the internet, building yeah. our brands and helping each other out, man. It's a small world, ain't it? Yeah. And, and that's really cool. And, um, yeah, I would have loved to do it like in the earlier part of my career, but the, 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 it just wasn't quite there yet. The networks weren't sort of set up and it wasn't quite as easy. And I think in one way, the pandemic has kind of, kind of encouraged people even more to kind of reach out across borders and, and use the technology, like these sort of meetings to, to work with people overseas. And man, it's good. I really enjoy it. Let me tell you all, man, Nick is a great designer. I trust him. So if you're needing some work, and again, make sure you check out his stuff. I'm going to write about you in a newsletter, Nick, sharing some of your designs to the community. But, man, I highly encourage you all to reach out to him. And with that being said, man, this was an important interview for me to get. Uh, Nick has, like I say, he's a solo entrepreneur. He's got a wife and two kids. But I was like, Nick, we'll work around your schedule. I want to make it happen because it's important to expose, you know, your skill set to the community. Right. Sometimes in the veteran space, vets just be talking to other vets. We need to yep. talk to civilians out there as well. Right. There's a whole world. And so I try to grow that network and try to be become a reliable source on all things branded for the community. So, man, I really appreciate you making time for us. How can we as a community support the work you're doing with your agency? Yeah, I mean, just getting getting the word out there, getting my work out there to to different groups and, and people I haven't worked with before working on ex products that I'd never heard of before. And, you know, just culturally like opening up to new cultures and, and new parts of the world. And, and, you know, I've never worked with veterans before. That's really interesting to me. It's all really interesting. I love people that have, have lived a life and have a, a real background and a story and, and I get to meet them and, and talk to them about the, what their passions are. And um, yeah. And the more I can do that, the better. I'm, I'm, yeah. So where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? You can, you can just email me. I don't know if you want me to read out my email address or, or you can just pop it in, into the, into the article or, but online. Yeah, I'll link your, I'll link your Instagram. And if you want to get a hold of Nick, just reach out to me yeah, um, yeah. and I'll connect you with him. But I got my, a lot of referrals I'm going to be sending your way anyway. Yeah. Or my, or just on my website, which is nickedlanddesign.com. Cool, man. Well, Nick, it's been an honor having you here today, man. We appreciate you. For all our listeners, do me a favor and go ahead and subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you want me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mikeweirironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy for veteran owned businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing. And we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com.